Good to see all of you here this morning. Of all the things that our Creator has done for us to see and observe, one of the greatest things that I would submit is the changing of the seasons. So my question to you this morning, which is your favorite? Perhaps the spring as new life begins, or maybe the summer with warmer temperatures, or if you're like me, it would be autumn. Beautiful colors, the crisp air, and it's particularly good this season with the Vols doing so well. And football in general. When I smell uh, grilled burgers, it takes me back to even my youth league football days when I played so many years ago. But a lot of good memories, good feelings with the fall. There is birth in spring, the summertime is for growth, and autumn though, with its colors, with its extreme changes, resembles the fading of things, as all must someday come to an end. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah chapter 64, verses 5 through 7. We're going to look at autumn, at fall, and the changes that come about during this time of year, and the different qualities that it has, and and see how that can direct our thoughts and minds in a spiritual sense so that we can better appreciate all seasons, perhaps this one in particular right now, but so that we can also, whenever we see the changing of every season, think about the spiritual lesson that can be brought out. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 5, You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Behold, you are angry, for we sinned. We continued in them a long time. And shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all your righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind take us away. As humans, we... We try to do the right thing. As Christians, we try to keep sin out of our lives, but we, we miss the point quite often. We miss the mark, which is what sin actually means, missing the mark. And in this passage, it's, it's talking about that. Verse 7, There is no one who calls on your name, Lord, who arouses himself to take hold of you. No one is going after God, Isaiah is writing. No one is reaching for Him. We are dying in our sins. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the power of our iniquities. This is what happens. When someone does not give their life to God, when someone decides to just continually live in sin, when someone does not reach for their Creator, when someone does not reach for their Lord and Savior, this is what happens. God turns His face away from you. Well, let's look at verse 6. All of us wither like a leaf. In one way or another, we are all withering. We all wither physically. We all age. But spiritually speaking, the same thing can happen. 
We can wither away. We can let sin take over. We can let sin encapsulate our lives. We can let sin be the only thing that we think about eventually. We no longer ride the fence, but rather we're taken fully on by the sin that's in our life. And we don't give our life to God. There's some lessons I'd like to look at this morning to consider with the changing of the seasons and how they apply to us spiritually because we are all fading like leaves. First off, the autumn leaves that we see outside remind us that summer is past. So we, we can't wait when it's cold in January. Can't wait for spring to get here and we move on from that in summer. And here we are in fall. Seems like just the other day we were complaining about how hot it was. Now we're having to bring out our jackets. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 8, please. Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 18 through 22. Jeremiah 8, verse 18. My sorrow is beyond healing. My heart is faint within me. Behold, listen, the cry of the daughter of my people from a distant land. In the book of Jeremiah, he tries to warn the people about the wrath of God that is to come if they don't change their ways. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not within her? Why have they provoked me with their graven images, with their foreign idols? Harvest is past. Summer is ended. Now in an agricultural society such as this, the harvest would be referencing those summer crops. And the the summer the harvest will be representing those crops that you would gather then, such as grains. And then after that, the summer would be things that you would um, gather then, if I can remember this correctly, such as, such as grapes and fruits. Later on in the summer, you would be getting those things. So there's two chances here. The people's sin is overtaking them. They're wondering where God is. Well, we'll look at how you're living. God's, God's not with you. And so they're making this observation here. Harvest is past. That moment for us to gather those grains is gone. The summer is ended. The moment for us to gather the fruit is gone. And what? We are not saved. When autumn comes, summer is over. Summer is over. You might plant some things in early fall. You might get something. But at this point, agriculturally speaking, if you don't have stuff in this day and age... In, script, in biblical times, if you didn't have stuff put away, food-wise, you were, you were done for. Unless you were able to get from other people. Spiritually speaking, for many people, summer is gone. Autumn is here. And you are not saved. You are not a Christian because you have not been baptized into the body of Christ. Verse 21, For the brokenness of the daughter of My people... I am broken. Jeremiah says, I mourn. Dismay has taken hold of me. Jeremiah as a prophet, Jeremiah as a preacher, would teach the people. And he is saying, I mourn for my people, for they are far from God. And that's what ministers do. That's what preachers do. They mourn for those people who have not come to Christ. When I'm up here, if you're not a Christian... Trust me, I've got you on my mind. You're on my mind, and I 
appreciate these words from Jeremiah. And there are people here who have you on their mind if you're not a Christian. Because you are not saved. It is the autumn of your days. Summer is past. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there nothing to heal us? Is there no physician there? Why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored? There's opportunity, he's saying. You know, isn't there a way for them to come back? Yes, there is, but they won't do it. Is there a way for you to become a Christian and have Christ be in your life and for you to live for Him? Yes, there is. There is healing here this morning. Summer is gone. Autumn is here. The end is near. We're getting to that in a moment. Those things are going to happen, but you are not saved. The Scripture teaches us in the Old Testament here. They've left God. The people had. That's what Jeremiah was lamenting. They've left God, and, and, and what are they to do? What are you to do now in the autumn of your life? These people are not saved. The turning of the leaves should cause you to understand that there may come a moment in your life when your summer ends. With the summer, you see, there's opportunity to make a difference, to do something, to gather a harvest, agriculturally speaking. But for many people, that summer gets gone. And Proverbs 28, verse 14 comes to my mind, How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. The Israelites would not come to God. They would not change their ways. Their heart was hardened. They would not be saved. There are people here this morning who would not be saved, who would not become a Christian, who would not become a, a Christian for Christ because their heart is too hard and so they fall into calamity. And I hope these words, just in the very first point of my passage, make you, my lesson this morning, make you think about your spiritual state Summer is past for many people. The autumn leaves also cause us to realize that the days are becoming shorter. But as each day draws shorter for each of us, there is by far something that draws shorter much faster. Let's look at James chapter 4, please. James chapter 4. The days are becoming shorter. James 4, verse 13, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. So many people say, I'll become a Christian later. I'll get my life right later. But James is calling that into question. You are just a vapor. That is your life that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Y'all remember when I didn't have gray hair? Y'all remember that? It wasn't that long ago. It used to be jet black. But how much things have changed. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live, and also do this or that. Time changes. Time moves. And it does not stop for anyone. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live, and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Commit your life to God today. Your days are so short. And they are numbered. Your last day might be tomorrow. Might be this afternoon. So don't make plans that 
do not involve God. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Many here this morning have a need to become a Christian, but they'll, they'll put that off. They'll put it off yet another day. Job 14 says this, Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil, like a flower. He comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. Psalm says this, As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. Now is the day to do something about your spiritual life. Because your days are very, very short. Change is inevitable. And it is regular as we see in these passages. But what change are you seeking in your life? I hope it is a spiritual change. And I hope you'll do something about it this morning because your days are short. Autumn, the fall should remind us of that as these days today get shorter and shorter physically. Your days are short and you do not know when your last breath might be drawn. The autumn leaves should also cause us to realize that night is coming. Let's look at John chapter 9. The days are shorter, so the night is coming. Although night concludes every day of every year, the autumn leaves ought to cause us to see that night is coming closer. Time changes next week, by the way. We fall back on November the 6th. And so even then, it will be darker and darker later each day. So night is coming, but the night that we need to be concerned with is the one that Jesus spoke of in John chapter 9, verses 1-4. through 4. As He passed by, He saw a man blind from birth. And His disciples asked Him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him, as was the case with all of Jesus' miracles. He was there to heal and to perform miracles so that people would see that he was the Son of God. And in this particular case, this man was actually blind so that this moment could happen. I'm not sure if there is a better illustration of what Jesus can do for a person spiritually as He did for this man physically, healing his blindness. And so whenever you start to, to learn about Jesus and, and want to follow Him, you're no longer blind. You see the world and, and the sin and, and the lostness that it has. And you can see clearly for the first time as this man does later in the chapter. But in verse 4, Jesus says this, We must work the works of Him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man, when no one can work. Jesus here is speaking of His death. And He is causing people to see while He is here. And He can help you see if you'll but give your life to Him. As the leaf serves as a means of making shade for the summer, once night has come, it is no longer able to do so. As that leaf fades away, 
and falls off, it can no longer do what it was intended to do during the spring, summer, and even early fall. Likewise, once night or death has come to us, we will no longer be able to do the works that need to be done. We must work now. We must work now before our night or our death comes. And these works might be obedience to the Gospel, as I've referenced thus far, giving your life to God and becoming a Christian this morning. Or these works might be our obedience as Christians. Let's look at James chapter 2, please. James chapter 2, beginning with verse 17. So people must do what was commanded in Acts chapter 2 to to become a Christian, to be baptized, and to follow Christ. That's an obedience to the Gospel before that night comes. And once you become a Christian, you've you've got work to do then, before your night, before your death comes as well. James chapter 2 and verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James is saying, I want to be that example. Anybody can say they have faith. Anybody can say they believe in God and say that they have that faith. But to actually do the work, to do those things that we're called to do, takes a different level. takes a different level of, of action where you're actually showing that you have that faith. You believe that God is one. You do well. Good for you. But the demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up up Isaac, his son, on the altar? Works are very important. We can see this again in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 17. It also talks about how we should behave as people who should be about God and, and be about our lives as Christians before the night comes. Don't wait for the night to come for you to think, man, I, I wish I was a better example. Wish I was a better example at work. Wish I was a better example to my children. Wish I didn't listen to the world quite so much. And a lot of regret as you see the proverbial light in your life going down and that night coming. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 17. People, they don't want to work today for the Lord. Let's look at this. Ephesians 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. A lot of people in the world want you to follow them and not God. And this results in being disobedient, and it will bring about God's wrath. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Be that example to your children. Be that Christian example to them. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. I want to know what's pleasing to Him. So I'm going to follow Scripture. I'm not going to do what I think. I'm going to do what God says. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them by, in, done 
by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Are you making the most of your time? Those who work outside in construction, perhaps farmers and other people who are working outside, those, that's, that night comes quicker and quicker and they lose time, they, they lose money. Spiritually, your night is coming. Spiritually speaking, your night is coming someday and you are either living faithfully for God as a Christian or you are not. Where are you in that matter? Finally, the autumn leaves should also suggest that we make preparation for winter. As autumn begins to come to a close, we must realize that winter is about to begin I walk the students out every day at school. And I can tell if it's warm, of course, just by the air, but as we get closer to winter, the flag that's out in front of our school constantly blows from the north. And I can tell winter is coming. Winter is coming. And those who study it enough can tell by the stars. They know where the stars are, how the planet should be. Lots of indicators that winter is coming. We know that the ant prepares, that the bear does, that, that squirrels prepare. Saw one in my backyard today. And Proverbs even writes about some of this. Four things are small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. The Shephanim, this is a small rock badger. We don't have them around here, but it's like a small gopher perhaps that lives in the rocks. These are not mighty people, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. And the lizard you may grasp with the hands, yet it is in king's palaces. How do we prepare for winter? In the olden days, frontiersmen, you know, they would have to cut wood. They would have to store up food. They would have to make sure that they had plenty of ammunition you know, for their muskets so that they could hunt in the winter. What do we do? Go to, the, go to the thermostat, heat. There we go. Might be too early, but I'm cold, so I'm going to put the heat on. Okay, That's how we prepare for winter. But as you consider winter being the coming judgment, you must do some preparations for that. The Israelites did not prepare. They said, we are not saved. Back in Isaiah, we are not saved, they said. They had not prepared. God was shouting His disappointment through Isaiah. He was shouting His disappointment through Jeremiah with the people because they had not prepared. God is compelling you. I am compelling you this morning to prepare for that winter. Be like the lizard. Be like the ant. Be like the bear that prepares. But you have to do so spiritually speaking. I would hope that all of us realize the importance of the judgment and will live now in light of what will happen tomorrow or perhaps further into the future as the judgment comes. Let's uh, read, please, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 
through 5. Romans chapter 2. Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. It's a good passage on how we shouldn't judge one another, causing people to think that we believe, well, well God is just going to send you straight to hell. No, it, that's not our call. All we can do is tell people what the Scripture teaches. They must work out that judgment idea on their own. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. It's God's judgment, you see, that will judge us someday. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, watch out for your behavior, that you will escape the judgment of God? You think that's making you righteous? Because you found somebody doing something wrong? You think that makes you closer to God because you can pass that judgment? You can't. It's not up to you to do that. Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? God's going to judge us all someday, and we need to be less about judging one another and more about looking at our own selves in light of that judgment that will come someday. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Do you have a, a stubborn heart? Winter, we might think it's stubborn, but it always comes. Winter's always here. The judgment of your soul, of your life on this earth, is going to come someday. So don't have that unrepentant heart. Don't store up wrath. If you're not living for God, if you're not a Christian, that's what you're doing. You've got to start putting up treasures in heaven, not wrath of God for when He comes and looks at you and says, I don't know who you are. Because you weren't faithful. Because you didn't do what you knew you needed to do to become a Christian. I don't know who you are. Insert your name in that category. But the judgment will someday come. And I hope that as you consider the autumn as we prepare for winter, physically speaking, I hope that you will prepare your soul for those things that are to come. For the life on this earth, living a better life for God, but particularly for that judgment day. Scripture teaches that if we're to be added to the body of Christ, Acts chapter 2, we must, we must be baptized. Whenever you do that, you come into, the con into contact with the blood of Jesus Christ that forgives you of your sins. And God looks down on you and says, that is a child of mine. I know who He is. And without that redeeming power, you are outside of Christ. You're not with Him as the Scripture teaches. And if you have questions more about this, please let me know and let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the state of your soul, because that is important. The seasons change, no doubt. Someday you'll be judged. Are you prepared? If not, I hope that you'll come forward in just a moment or speak to me later so that you might make that decision today to become a Christian or if you need prayers of forgiveness because you are a Christian. Come forward now as we stand and sing to encourage you.